In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, welcome everybody again to the Really 007 podcast. I'm Tom Pickup, and we're here for this special interview with not one, but two composers, and they are responsible for introducing us to Pierce Brosnan's James Bond with their amazing music for the trailer, the teaser trailer for GoldenEye, and we're looking forward to talking about that. Now, you can watch all our other interviews on our YouTube channel, and we've got them on iTunes and Spotify for the audio episodes, and we're also on uh, social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can find loads of daily interactions, posts, and uh, questions, and quizzes, and all sorts of things Bond-related. So please have a look at that. So yes, we are here with Star Parody and Jeff Fair, and uh, as you can see, they're together. They're not only a musical combination, they are married. That is that is right, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Better just check, you know, before. <laughs> but yes, they're, they're a musical force to be reckoned with, and... Um, They've scored hundreds of pieces of music uh, for pretty much every genre there is and pretty much every uh, platform. So film, TV, trailers, as I've mentioned, and video games as well. They've done songwriting and produced their own albums, produced for others, I believe. And Star has done her own albums. And now their daughter uh, is old as well, is, uh, is, is following in her parents' amazing musical footsteps with her own music career. So... A very musical family, all three of them, it seems. <laughs> so, yes, but, I mean, as Bond fans, our introduction to them was for pretty much single-handedly, like I say. I, I think it was pretty much the, the best ever teaser trailer I've ever seen and something that completely sold the world to Pierce Brosnan after that long six-year gap waiting for Bond. This was the thing that was like, wow, we want to watch this. This looks like Bond is back, and it's sort of Bond, a mix of the old and the new, because that's... That's the thing. It, it, it's like both traditional in the sense the music and the images, but this is like a modern edge, and the music reflected that. But we'll go we'll go into that later. But I, I'd love to start, guys, with your sort of your career beginnings and your your like what, what's your musical backgrounds, each of you? 
I'll let Star start. Well, first, I just want to say that in your intro, when you just said that, that was exactly what we were hoping for. Yes. The Bond teaser trailer and with all the, you know, redoing. The, I mean, that is, that was like out of your mouth, the same direction that came from the head of creative at MGM. There you go. Well, that's what <laughs> you yeah, obviously delivered that, didn't you? That was the mission that was assigned. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> But, you know, um, for me, I started out as a keyboard player and pianist playing in soul bands. Yeah. You know, I toured with a lot of different people. One of the first people I toured with was a guy named George Howard, who was a jazz, pop, kind of R&B saxophone yeah. player. Really great, amazing band. Guys from Shalimar and, and Frankie Beverly and Mays. And, and I was always the only girl, you know, but they were like my oh. brothers. And yeah. uh, we did Whitney Houston's first tour. We opened for her and oh, magnificent. Uh, did some really, really cool gigs, gigs with him. And then I got a job. Well, previous to that, right out of high school, I got a random call to come and play keyboards on the show Fame, which was, oh, uh, yeah. I, it was after the movie, it was the television show. Yes, so, yes, yeah. So I, I played keyboards and on that show for a couple of years on and off as a, as a musician, you know, whenever they would have their, I guess, um, you know, cafeteria moments or, you know. Right, yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Breaking the song and dance, I was always there. Got kind of hooked on writing because the music supervisor, Maureen Crow, who went on to find I Will Always Love You for Whitney Houston, you know, and become one, of, you know, founded the uh, Guild of Music Supervisors, but she was just starting, I was just starting, and we started writing some some stuff together and you know jeff too you know and and uh you too <laughs> anyway, jeff <laughs> and and you know some of the early songs were for janet jackson who was on the show at the time and so early beginnings really fun i then there was a show called the arsenio hall show oh yeah well love him he's he's hilarious yeah <laughs> so he was just starting you know to have his own talk show yeah. I was so fortunate to be asked to be in the band of that show. So I was in the band for six years for that show and got to basically play with many, many, many heroes of mine and get to know them and, and you know, just the musicianship was very high. This is Star Barone! Currently, I was working uh, as a ghostwriter right. for a really busy television uh, composer in town, very young, and we had orchestras every week, so he really gave me an opportunity to, uh, to learn how to write for orchestras, to learn how to spot music in a television show. So anyway, that was all kind of going on and, you know, was super busy, but I was completely loving it yeah and after the Arsenio show ended Jeff and I well during the, Ars during the Arsenio during the Arsenio show because I got to stay in town as, as a touring musician you're always out of town right and then you come back and it's like everything everything's happening then you come back and nothing's happening and then you're yeah out of everything and then nothing so um, so anyway when 
when I was able to do this television show and stay in town, Jeff and I got the opportunity to meet some amazing producers over well at MGM and you know different you know different studios, and we got into doing movie trailers. And yeah. we could do this because we didn't have to leave town to do anything. So we would write until the second I had to go to the Arsenio show. Oh, wow. Jeff would continue writing while I was gone, and then we continue when I got home and so it was just constant but it was so much fun that's kind of around the time that all the GoldenEye stuff started yeah. in 95 and since then we've been just continuing to compose we've done a lot of long form as you mentioned television series and yeah. films still some movie trailers but not as many as we used to I do solo piano albums as well and yeah those are beautiful yeah thank Super. you so much yeah and thank you some concert work, had a piece premiere at Lincoln Center um, right before the pandemic. So just all kinds of stuff, just music, music, you know? Yeah. both classically trained or did you sort of learn on the job as well or well yes and no i was you know i played french horn and bass guitar and yeah you play a lot of instruments uh, yeah. jeff don't you <laughs> yeah well, I, play. I play them what's the word we use ignorantly Ignorant. no, no. but that's a no, no. that's a bass compliment I, the, the bass the, i play but the, that's a compliment but I, I, you know sometimes i'll pick up an instrument and try to find a, a little bit of a new approach to it just because that's what's easy for me right. and that's what i might hear in my head you know sometimes it works and sometimes it fails miserably <laughs> But so, I, I have to say, though, that when you play an instrument, and especially if you're trained and you've practiced that instrument, you have a kind of a, I don't want to say a set way, but a, a way that you approach it. You know, it's sure, you. Yeah. It's your voice, but still that. But if you pick up another instrument, and the reason when I said ignorant, it, it wasn't meant to be a, a cut. It was meant to be no, a compliment. No, I use the word all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, if you pick up another instrument, like we did this one song with a really dear friend of ours, Lewis Price, who uh, is, was in The Temptations, was yeah. a singer, just amazing singer, dear, dear friend. And we were here, it was like one o'clock in the morning, and we were doing this song called What Do You Think of That that we all wrote together. It's on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Jeff comes walking out with this old trombone that he fished out of the closet, and he starts playing it, and he can't play trombone, but the, <laughs> the sounds that he was making were like so perfect for this that we, we just recorded it, and I love it. <laughs> so that's what I mean by ignorant. But that, I mean, not everyone could do that. It's obviously, you've got to have that musical brain in order to sort of pick it up. Once you've got one instrument, you, it helps with other instruments, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah. I mean, growing up, I, you know, played in rock bands, I played in orchestras, I played in school bands, and then traveled from Seattle down to Los Angeles uh, to join a band that I was invited to join. Then after that all kind of, you know, went the way so many rock bands do with, you know, record contracts that fail and <laughs> things like that. I met Star on stage <laughs> in right. the amphitheater, and I was working with the same artist that she was playing with, uh, George Howard, at that time. Okay, yeah. So he's very special in your lives then, yeah? Yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, he's yeah. 
Yeah, he sadly yeah. passed away, but we were playing with Gladys Knight and uh, oh. and Jeff was there and we just, you know, immediately clicked and and got married soon after and yeah. started working. We started, you know, I think... Well, you were headed out of town, but, you know, when you got back into town, we finally dated and then... <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> reached maybe, you know, a week or two later. Yeah, it's true. So. But, you know, I think the the one of the good things about us being able to work together because so many people say oh how do you work together yeah. <laughs> you know is that we kind of started working together really so yeah, yeah uh, so it was a natural progression yeah it's been yeah. kind of based on on both those things you know yeah you both sort of come at it from being in groups and always involved with other people musically not both sort of solo artists and then oh should we do this together you're both continuing what you know but with with good friends and husband and wife. Yeah. 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 I mean, she's more of a solo artist than I'll ever be. Well, yes. So, well, so, so we've heard. But... <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's like just, I can't imagine doing it without Jeff. You know, we really, sometimes it really seems like I think something and then he does it or says it. And I think vice versa. Without words. Yeah. yeah. We don't, it's, it's just like. We think wow. the same things most of the time. Yeah. yeah. So you're in your studio now. Could you just sort of tell me? If you get like a brief for say say it was a trailer, how would you go about the process between the two of you roughly, uh, or does it change for for different things? I have a really special piano. We have our home studio here, but it's you know it's it's a proper studio. This is a yeah different building. A different yeah. building than our house. Oh right, okay, yeah. And we have um in in a, the other room I have a Steinway B. Oh, wow. It was on the stage of MGM in the 30s and was said that the um, that the that the Wizard of Oz was recorded on it. Oh, so, my word. Really special, piano, special piano. And it yeah. has, has the tag that says MGM on it. If I if we were unhooked, I could walk over it. <laughs> yeah. It also has the gum. It still ha- it has some gum underneath it. It's so cool. <laughs> you can't yeah, that, yeah. All the studio guys, you know, back in the day in the 30s, they just take their gum out and put it under the piano. <laughs> so when when they were redoing it, restringing it, redoing the hammers, re everything in it because it, it had a beautiful sound, but it had didn't have a good touch and it needed some work. They were started to scrape the gum off, and I was like, No, don't scrape no, the gum. No, no. I, I want the gum, you know. Yeah. For me, a lot of things start there, even if they don't have anything to do with piano. Just sitting there makes me feel like I have uh, a lot of inspiration. But usually Jeff sits where you're seeing right now, which is in front of the mixing console. You can see that we have a monitor there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, and with Pierce our, jumping off. The yes, camp. we put it. Oh, off the whoa! Camp. Where's this? I can't see. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I could just see. <laughs> I think kind of maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because obviously you need the images there in front of you, don't you? When you're right. composing and producing. Yeah. Right. So then I usually sit over here, which is there's another screen right here, yeah. and uh, I there's have keys. I have my keys. I have a Cork Cronus and a and a, a wave station and a mini log. And then over here, I have the oh, Prophet wow. the Mini Moog, a lot modular. of gear, some modulars, some Moog modulars. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's so, a lot of gear, yeah. So he sits here, I sit over there, and we usually just start coming up with ideas. Right, you know, that's then. how it happens, yeah. <laughs> Rarely in a vacuum because, you know, when they're cutting a trailer, they generally have some ideas about they want as well. 
so that will that will get us to start thinking and and you know looking at the ideas we think yeah work for the picture but in goldeneye that wasn't the case no goldeneye wasn't the case at all goldeneye was like exactly what you said when yeah. you talked about goldeneye we want to bring bond back we want him to be modern but we want to nod to the past as well please do something yeah please and that i think that was even late in 94. That, yeah that, that, so the, how much of the film had been shot had most of it been filmed by then I hadn't seen any of it yeah oh right okay we saw none of it. We went to lunch with Joe Nimzicki, who was the vice president of marketing at the time. You know, he said, I've got, you know, he invited us to lunch. And, you know, that's it's always a not good typically sign. what happens. It is, yeah. It's either a really good thing or a really bad thing. <laughs> Usually lunch isn't a bad thing. Lunch is a good thing. Yeah. But, you know, we're sitting there in this uh, beautiful west side bistro you know in fact uh, what's his name the coach of the la lakers was sitting a table or two oh really phil jackson yeah it? phil jackson yeah. and he joe looked at us and he says um i've got some great news for you we're bringing bond back and we want you guys to update the theme right. and, and he said basically the things that you said you know you got it it has to be something brand new but it still has to have the bones yeah uh, of the original and you know we have to we have to you know revive revive this this wonderful wonderful tale and we have to do it with something brand new and so he just let us go we just said go put your ideas down and then send it to us and we'll work with that i think we did two versions the first version had a little bit more of the slower part in the beginning yeah like when pierce is walking up towards the the letters and all that yeah well none of that none of the picture was done so we did oh it was all before those pictures they They cut the picture to the music yeah Yeah. they cut the picture to the music so we did the music completely got it all signed off on by you know mgm and then they they cut the picture to that oh right okay so the goodness me that that's amazing how they've done that then isn't it because there's like oh, there's two sections to it, isn't there? There's the obviously the main section with the bomb theme. Three, three. Oh, three yeah, sorry, yeah. You've got that <laughs> intro with the sort of what what instruments that that's that's being played. So that's really a, a great question, uh, and it's very unusual because we didn't want to have synthesizers at the beginning, but we wanted to create this an uh, a pad a mysterious. It is material, isn't it? Yeah, Some, but something that moved. You know, yeah, and, uh, yeah. And changed, you know, over over time. Yeah. So it's all guitars. That whole yeah. Huh. So it's it's um, Peter Maunu who uh, who worked with me on the Arsenio Hall show. We stood next to each other for six years. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And it was just at the beginning of when people were starting to talk about looping. People weren't looping yet, and he was one of the innovators of guitar loops and stuff and he had been getting into it and he brought over what was it a jam man a jam man, yeah. a jam man. and we just started saying let's just come up with some textures and so you know we just had him playing different notes you know and we mixed them all together but you know we got snippets of, of all these textures that um, that we created with him through the jam man and it's all guitars wow I'm just trying to think so what what, you did, did you only know that Pierce was Bond? Is that about it? And you, and you knew that what had gone before? Yeah. Yes, we knew what had gone before, and we knew that Pierce was was Bond. 
and we were hoping that there was going to be some, you know, there had been mention of some larger actors playing the villains and stuff as yeah. well. But and I probably shouldn't say anything about that stuff. Oh right. Oh right. Okay. Well. I know that Anthony Hopkins was possibly going to play a villain in... You said it, I didn't. Oh, no, oh, I thought that was Tomorrow Never Dies. Okay, right. So he was in consideration for Golden Eyes, is it? Uh, that's what we heard. Oh, okay. Well, Sean Bean was a great villain, so... Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I mean, you know, we were just so excited to work on it. Yeah. Is you know, it's just amazing theme, and, and to have a chance to, to play with it and... And come up with ideas and stuff was just, you know. I can't be part of that legacy. Yeah. Were you big Bond fans growing up or did you, when did you first hear about James Bond? Yeah, I mean, I was not, I'm a huge Bond fan now. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, growing up, my parents didn't really take me to any movies. (laughs) Okay. So, and this was pretty early on in our career, you know, so I can't say that I had seen you know, I wasn't like a film buff, you know, but I had such tremendous respect for the theme and I knew the theme well, you know, and and I, of course, knew the legacy and was, you know, just completely well, thrilled to work on it. Plus, it, you were so young and yeah. there'd been that six year gap. And that feels like an eternity, doesn't it, when you're young? Yeah, and my parents, like, they weren't into Bond. <laughs> Mine were. Oh, no, well. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't until I was a teenager that I... You, you mentioned Gladys Knight before. Obviously, she's done a, a Bond song. Yeah, you, you will have worked with people, won't you, who, who've who've been on Bond? I'm sure. Isn't that funny? You know, it's just such a small world. Yeah. You know, but yeah, she's amazing, and and we recorded the brass for Bond in our living room. And at oh the right, time, it was really funny because yeah. <laughs> we, we didn't live here. We lived in a in a house on the side of a hill. And our studio was at the very bottom floor, which was kind of dug into the hill. And two floors up was our living room (laughs) where we recorded the brass. And we had all these cables going all over the place. And so if, but the talkback, I think, wasn't working or something. So you'd have to run up two flights of stairs, you know, say, oh, you guys, we'll do another take. Then run down, sometimes falling. You know, I broke my toe. You did break (laughs) Oh, no. Going down those stairs, just running back and forth, trying to get the sessions together for that. But that yeah. was really, really cool. And wow. we layered the brass, but it was just all in our living room. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so you've got you've got like the, the first bit we said, and then it does feel kind of R and B, the beats and stuff. And is that is that because of your own musical backgrounds and things? I don't know whether that that you drew that that drew to you. Well, you know, we were we were pulling from a number of influences everything from from grunge yeah to hip hop to to some soul you know we we wanted to bring everything a little taste of it without it being you know like a crazy gumbo you know yeah <laughs> having you know having some main influences that would touch people and get them excited about it. I, I it really i mean just thinking about it now it's it's so good because you, you've got that, like you say, that intro, and then the beat comes in. The beat is, is a bit like the music used on the game as well. I don't know whether you've, you've heard that, have you? No. Uh-uh. Have you not? No, I've, well, I've, oh, I've yes. seen oh, yes. the oh, GoldenEye game, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the Nintendo game. Yes, that's right, yeah. One thing, yes. Our nephew would always tell us that. He. Yeah. You know, they took what you did. I think they did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
because it's when when you press pause on the game, it cuts yeah. to the watch, um, and it does. It's that kind of R and B. Oh, it's almost like trap music, you know. It's it's really interesting. But yeah. this was this was all a new sound. Well, to me at least, in the mid nineties, it, yeah. you know, it was it was new for us too. I mean, yeah. we were trying stuff and you know, rolling eight oh eights and yeah, <laughs> drum machines. Yeah, we did that, and then we did we had some live drums on it. Yeah, that just, we did just, some yeah. toms, some tom fills uh, live. Toms and cymbals. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But most was drum machine. With with some sweetening of drums, right? Samples and yeah. some samples, yeah. yeah. You've got the electric guitar as well, which goes amazing as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, who played that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, most of that was Peter Maunu, right? Playing the electric guitar. I did add a few little things and then I played bass on it. <sighs> so good. <laughs> played bass on yeah, it. Yeah, I did. You never knew that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It goes by so quickly when you're working yeah. on these things. <laughs> You sometimes you have to look at, back at them and you go, "Oh, did I play that, or did she play that?" Yeah, yeah. You go, oh, I don't even remember that happening. But, well, you send it off, and then you're on to the next thing, I guess, aren't you? And then, and then you did you not? You wouldn't hear about it or see the trailer for a bit. We didn't, and and no, I yeah. think also, I mean, nobody knew how how good the you know how how good the relaunch of it was going yeah of course yeah. You know I mean? so for us just like when the arsenio hall show started i mean nobody knew that it was going to be you know such a massive yeah. such a massive yeah show. yeah i think you know with the bond theme we just we were so excited to work on it and we were really excited when we saw the cut that we didn't know none of us knew um, how you know how it was going to be received? Yeah. So when it was received so well, audiences we, were going crazy. We oh. were so excited you, because you go to the cinema just to see that trailer. You know, oh man, yeah, yeah. It was just, I mean, it was really a thrill to know that people were responding to it, and you know that it that we did, you know, hopefully did it justice, you know, or what we wanted to. Yeah. Really yeah, a lot. We wanted to do it justice. I mean, there weren't many teaser trailers, were there? You know, like a, a quicker trailer that really, because nowadays they give, they do give away an awful lot of the film, don't they? They seem to in the trailer, but this is just giving you a glimmer. And it, you know, it's it's a Bond film. You know, there's not, it's not like a twist film, is it? Okay, there is with Sean Bean, but it was. I mean, I don't think he's even in it. You can't even see him in the trailer. You know, it's so it does leave so much to the imagination. Just seeing these images of Bond, the most Bond images. With that music, it's it's just a winning combination. And I wish I wish to do more. Wish to do more of that kind of thing. In in general, I mean, in the movies. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really the probably the tr- first of its kind of that kind of trailer. Yeah. I mean, it was really almost more of a music video. Yes. In fact, it it really did change how people approached action trailers from that point out. We, we would go to meetings at you know, in different editors' bays for different projects, and they'd pull up something, I'm probably not at liberty to say, but other spy action stuff, and they'd start playing their trailer, and it'd all be cut to GoldenEye. Yes, yeah, (laughs) yeah. You know, just make it work like this. (laughs) Yeah. You know. And we ended up working on a lot of other kind of spy trailers. Yes, you've done a lot, haven't you? You know, but, um, but that one, I think, was the most special of the trailers that we ever had a chance to do. How did it end up? I can see you've got your gold record in the background. How did it end up on that album? Because to put a, a, you know, music from a trailer is amazing. Through fans. Right, oh, there you go. 
yeah. fans were contacting uh, MGM and United Artists, and they for were, years. For years. Yeah. That happened in what two thousand three? I, I think. think was it two thousand three or two thousand seven? I it, can't remember. It was, it was know, one of the two. Was, <laughs> yeah. Seven eight years after. Yeah, it was. It was a few years, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And, and they called us and they said. Uh, we need your permission to, uh, you know, release this. And well, what what happened? And they said, well, we just get all this mail, you know, saying yeah. we want this. And the funny thing is, is I don't think it's available right now. Oh, right. okay. Well, I, I've got that CD, so I've, I've got it. But it is one of those things. So in the, in the mid-90s, of course, you couldn't just go on YouTube or Spotify or iTunes or something like that, could you? To hear that, you had to watch the, the trailer which might not have even been on the, the video of GoldenEye. So yes, it was like, it was, okay, right, well, that's yeah. good, yeah. So yeah. You, you, you basically had to put the video in to listen to it. So when we got the chance to hear it on that CD, I remember my, my friend Rob, who was going to be on this, um, he's obsessed with it. And I remember he was like, what's an unusual name, Parody Fair? Who, I wonder who he or she is, you know. You know, the internet wasn't the same then, was it? You couldn't sort of... No, we were anonymous. Yeah. Well, yeah, you people wouldn't know who you were, would they? Yeah. No, yeah. I mean... And, and it's... Well, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, now, like, if you if you eat something, people take a picture of it and go, look, this is what I'm eating now, or this is what Yeah, I'm they do, yeah. But then, and it's hard to believe it was, you know, that long ago, but I mean... Then it was like nobody really knew who was doing the music for the trailers, and pretty much all the trailers we were doing at the time were all custom. We were yeah. we were scoring everything, you know, two three orchestras a, a week, and the best rhythm players in town, and and just you know it was just a wonderful thing. And yeah. then I believe that they used that theme on three other Bond movies. Yeah, I was I was looking. I think it's definitely on the Die Another Day one. Die Another Day, um, Tomorrow Never Dies. So the Pierce Brosnan ones, yeah. Yeah, and, and then Die Another Day. We actually did another version. Like yeah. yeah, we did another version that's which uh, was, much faster. Yeah, yeah. You know, super compressed. Actually, Paul McCartney's drummer is playing on that one. Oh, nice. When danger becomes a temptation, when every move brings you closer to the edge when you live each day like it's your last there's a surprise around every curve Another day. Yeah, I know that was a really cool thing. But again, you, one of the things that I think was so brilliant that the editor, Russ Harnden, did on this was, you know, putting it with no dialogue except for the Bond, James Bond. Yeah, that's so good. It, it is. It's... It gave the music a chance to shine. It gave the picture a chance to shine. Yeah. It gave people a chance, I think, to just digest. Yep. Rather than because there's just so much dialogue that are that's crammed into trailers so often. Oh no! Yeah, you can't hear the you know you can't hear anything. Everything's clambering for that you know for your attention, and I feel like that was 
kind of the brilliance of how the music and the picture came together was the fact that there wasn't a lot of other stuff yeah. in it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's with trailers now, you know, everything is so so high. Um, yeah. In terms of music, effects, dialogue, they're they're all super hype right now. Yeah. Um, we used to play this game when we go to the cinema. It'd be we'd walk out of the theater and we go, okay, which trailer do you remember? You know, you'd see yeah. ten of them before the film would even start, and we'd so often go, ah, uh, they all were the same. You they're know? exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. So the great thing of to me, at least, about the GoldenEye trailer was the music is what presents the attitude and and you know what we're supposed to get out of all this this action and it's it's not blocked by any dialogue and in this case really? it wasn't really blocked by too many effects either. No, no. So much of it was just you know the the power of of you know a guitar through a Marshall you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Theme, you know, I mean, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Theme, which we didn't write, you know, but we had the had the um, just yeah. great. Technically, John Barry didn't write it, did he? But didn't stop him from creating the greatest versions of it, and yeah. you know, using it as a template. I know he said he says he did. Sort of anyway. That's, a con that's such a controversy. We have no insight. We don't. We don't know. We never. Well, the, I mean, even Monty Norman, I think he borrowed it, didn't he? Um, from a Caribbean song he heard, and he based it on that. So to think going back to that version of it, to your version of it, shows what a good piece of music it is. To, how different that is! Yeah, it's, it's an amazing piece. That, it is, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's so funny. My mom was at the session. She she rarely came over because she didn't live that close, but she happened to be there in the living room with the with the brass players. She we discovered she had perfect. Beer. We discovered my mom. <laughs> And she was like, oh, that, that trumpet player, she she called the note that he was playing. And it was like, mom, you know, <laughs> what? Aww. You know, and then it was funny, though, because she didn't really ever quite get, <laughs> you know, that I was a composer <laughs> or that oh. I was a composer. I think she was in denial. But she said, oh, my gosh, that's such a great theme that you wrote. <laughs> I'm like, All right. yeah, like yeah. the only compliment she gives me is about a theme I didn't write. Yeah. One of the very few, yeah. <laughs> you should think about you doing, this, think about for doing this for me. <laughs> Thanks, Mum. Thank you. <laughs> oh dear me. Well, did, did so? Did uh, did Eon eventually get back to you and say, "Mike, you know, we love this." How did you sort of find out what the reception was to it? It was it was more through MGM. And, oh, MGM, yeah, sorry, yeah, and United Artists because I think they had total uh, creative control at that. Point yeah. of the marketing and i i actually heard that you know there was a divided camp at eon there was people at eon that loved it and there was people that were like no no we have to go we have to be back in the 60s you know we have yeah to yeah that classic bond which you know i i don't fault them for thinking that because it was so great i tried to do that more recently haven't they i think with you know with the sort of bringing in the aston martin again and Trying to make it a bit more like the '60s and that sort of thing. Whereas I, you know, Pierce Brosnan was like, "No, no, we we love all that, but this is a new, this is the '90s. We're we're not relying on any any sort of legacy in that sense. We're going to make our own with yeah. these films." And I think also um, Joe Nimzicki, who Jeff mentioned earlier, who was the yeah. head of, he was just a creative genius. 
Right. It really was. And we we had this um this really weird shorthand because so often people who are executives they don't they have some really great insights but they don't know how to convey their feelings in a musical term, right? Yeah, and of so course. As composers, we we so often get ah, uh, you know, I'm not sure how to say this to you. I don't know how to tell you what I'm thinking, you know, because I and and people feign ignorance and it's like you just can never make somebody feel ignorant because their feelings are so valid and it's just a question of translating, you know. And so with Joe we, we had developed a we had developed this language where he would say, I want a tension cord, and we'd know exactly what he meant. Wasn't a tension cord. Or, you know, I want, you know, certain things that he would ask for, we'd say, ah, I know what he wants. And so we were getting a sensibility of, through working with him, because we did the United Artists logo for I was going to say, I was going to mention that. So yeah. that, is that the one with the stone in the background and the sort of, the big letters? So when you, want, when you go to the theater and you saw yeah. Goldeneye, the first, you know. You yeah. Know, <laughs> that that was us as well, you know. Yeah. King of Goldeneye. That was. I think that was. Da, 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 da. Is it that one? Yeah. That, that was the first one. It was attached was it? to. Yeah. We've we've even in the in the UK they've been showing each Bond one a week to, for the 60th anniversary. And they've already had complaints that they weren't using the correct United Artists logo and theme at the time the film was out. So I don't know. I don't know whether they'll. I think they've been using the one, the sort of eighties one, for the, for the ones we've seen recently. But yeah, that again, it's like when you're so excited to see the film. So you'd seen it. I remember seeing that for the first time at the cinema, and then you have to wait months and months to see it on video, and then to see that first United Artists. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You know, and then you, you got, well, did you have the lion, first of all? Or is it the other way around? I can't I remember. Rem- I don't remember. I think- yeah. <laughs> I don't remember which I, one. I think it first. may have only been the United Artists logo. Yeah, well, yes, but that was like that's synonymous with my, you know, being brought up with Goldeneye because it was the first one we saw at the cinema. You see, wow. we just had the old videos to watch, so this was like, wow, we can actually see a new Bond film as it's coming out, as it's being made. So it's always been very special. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and we did that with an eighty eighty piece orchestra at Sony. Oh really? Yeah, so that was yeah. really amazing. You know, it's like what is it like 15 seconds long or something? How do you 
condensed uh, water. 14 seconds. 14 seconds. <laughs> there are three parts. Yeah, so, yeah. So our, our, um, our, our instruction for that, again, from Joe, was we want the past, present, and future of United Artists to be, uh, you know, expressed in yeah. this 14-second logo. <laughs> so it actually has three sections as well, although you might not think of it. Yeah. It, has, it has this kind of building, swirling strings going up to it, which the past, you know, if, it felt like it was a nod to the old movies and the kind of romantic thing. And then the brass, you know, coming in, that felt like, you know, the present, here we are, you know. <laughs> powerful 90s. The powerful 90s. And yeah. Then, and then there were some bells and some little synth stuff at the end going yeah. off. Yeah, going. And that was the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, the beat in the background is a bit more funky, isn't it? It's yeah. Than the, yeah. Than the strings necessarily. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> this is Marguerite Lavoise, the photographer in Doctor No. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Really 007. So you've done quite a few um, trailers as well for other films, and it's all your trailers and more. It's just original music, isn't it? When we do it, it is. Yeah, yeah. Because nowadays they often use they use a pop song, won't they? And then at the end there'll be like the all the Marvel ones. I saw the latest Thor one the other night, and it, it like you say, it's just a few images from the film. You've no idea what the plot is. You've no idea what's going on. There's like it ends in something pretty epic. Then there's like it says the name of the film, and then there's like a joke. <laughs> And that's it, every single. <laughs> I'm very cynical here, but hey. it just, yeah, I don't know. I know you don't want to slag off your industry. <laughs> yeah, well, we're we've been doing more long form work. Yeah, you know, we're, in fact, we're halfway through a film right now. Oh, great! Okay, just finished writing the last cue yesterday. Yeah, but now we're going to produce the music. And, right. You know. That's such a long. That's how long does that take then to to score a film? Then, my <laughs> uh, we've been working on it for almost two months, about a month and three weeks. So right. far on this film, there's about 45 minutes of music in it. About a month left to go. Uh, wow. A little under a month. We have a couple of recording dates with the orchestra and some soloists and stuff, and all the music is, is written and approved, and, you know, so we just now need to get it. Okay. Back, you know, but it's for super... a beautiful little film. Little, I say, because it's it's not epic, you know. It's, yeah, yeah, okay. More an emotional It's film. more, yeah, yeah. And you've got all the images, definitely, for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the yeah. cues have to match, don't they, the images? Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> I would hope so. Well, I know, I know some composers, obviously, before they've seen it, they have images in the mind, you know, and they've got things they're working on, and little melodies, maybe. I don't know whether you do that as well. We do. We do, yeah. Sometimes yeah. Uh, when we did, oh, what was it, the Will Smith one, Wild Wild West. Oh, showed, did you do that one, yeah? Yeah, we, they just showed us. We did well, one of them. Well, we did one. Right. At the time, maybe the most expensive trailer made. <laughs> and it was not for public. It was for corporate sponsors for the film. So oh. it was made before, and, and they had just showed us conceptual drawings. They said, you, you know, go record with the orchestra, do something this century, you know. Yeah, yeah. Wild, wild but it West. was kind of like a steampunk thing. Yeah, it was, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it's very yeah. visually yeah. different, I suppose. Than yeah, yeah. If you just told you what it was about, you wouldn't have a clue, would you? Yeah. Yeah. No, it yeah. was. we saw the, all the visuals and stuff and spoke with Barry Sonnenfeld, who was the director. Oh, yeah, yeah. He came to the recording of, of what we did and stuff. It was really neat. That's right. Good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
How often do, do the directors or people get involved, or is that obviously for the film for the films you're scoring? I assume the directors are oh, they oh, have yeah, a lot of yeah. input. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, there's there has to be you know very solid relationship in terms of getting things approved and and done and understanding what the director's talking about with a with long form stuff. But with with trailers, with trailers there was a little bit of a of a tightrope because I'll say it. Okay, you say it. <laughs> Marketing departments and directors rarely get along. Okay, right. Directors, well, yes, I can understand that in a way. Yeah, directors. Uh, you know, really have a vision of what what they see the the film to be, and it rarely matches the marketing department's yep. version or vision of what they see will sell the film. So right, because the marketing department is is focused on what demographic is this trailer going to touch, and the director is well, that's not the story, you know, and the marketing person is like, well, we yeah. Need- <laughs> Need to get this is this is. And you want them to see it, yeah. You need to sell it so they can see your story. Yeah, and so that so we had a lot of really interesting conversations with directors, and sometimes they were just very collaborative and amazing, and sometimes we could tell that there was a friction between them and the marketing department and at that point we just we just wanted to not be in the middle of anything we we just you know wanted to do our job and try to make everybody happy but sometimes that was hard yeah you know i mean there was i'm sure there was times that that prevented us from actually working on the long form version of something right because we have to make the choice you know on the project yeah. we're working on you know who who you know who is your your boss? Who's who, you know whose inspiration do you need to follow? You have you have done that though, haven't you? Where you've scored a trailer for a film that you scored or a, a series? Have you have you done both for the same? Yeah, the very end of last year, I worked on a, a show called Genlock for Michael B. Jordan. And it oh was wow, a, yeah, apocalyptic yeah. show. It's on HBO Max. It's a really cool show, and um, it's a limited series. So there's eight episodes, and then we did the trailer for Comic Con as well. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, really cool. And then the Eighteenth Angel, way back, we did the we did the trailer for we that. We did the trailer. I don't even remember. That. <laughs> oh <my gosh laughs> and we recently got asked to contribute music to the trailer. We're working on the film we're working on right now. But we we're not doing it because yeah, uh, we're, we're working just, on the film. We're, we're just yeah, that's too so busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, then got- you know, I mean, there's times, you know. I took a little time, you know, I have a, we have a daughter who's 18 as, yeah. and you know, those first few years, it was, I felt like I was having hallucinations because I just wasn't sleeping. You really have to, I think there's no, there's, there's no place that you actually land. I feel like careers are very fluid. Yeah, you know, definitely. You know, we've been really blessed to be busy, but there's moments when we're not, and then there's moments where we're just crazy, you know, so we just embrace everything. <laughs> you, you knew that, didn't you, as soon as you went in the industry? As a musician, you know, even if you're a touring musician, you know that, don't you? Oh, but yeah. It's, and you've got to accept the jobs when they come, and, and then you've got to accept that it's going to be take up all your time for a long period. Oh, yeah. Maybe yeah. I think it's an eight-hour workday. Yeah. No, no, no. So, no. Yeah. At least you've, at least you've got the studio. Where you're living, though that 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 does help, doesn't it? Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. So when it comes to performing, I mean, Star, I've heard some of your amazing piano. You know, you've done your own in, sort of in, improvisation on classical pieces, like I've heard your Albinoni. Oh. That's that's fantastic. Um, but it, you also compose your own music as well. So I was wondering if you'd tell us a little bit about that experience. 
Sure. Well, you know, it's funny because when I started out, I always, I learned on piano, but I always got jobs as a synthesizer player, you know, in band. Yes, yeah. I was lugging my synths around, and there were times that I would play piano, but I was mostly hired to play synth, and including on Arsenio Hall show, I was the synth player, you know. Yeah. The thing that really touches me so deeply is just the sound of the strings reverberating, you know, against the soundboard of a piano, and I... I just almost get a visceral feeling from yeah. it, you know, and, and I get pictures in my mind, you know, and and it just all kind of comes together for me when I play the piano. And so we were doing a trailer one day, I think it was like around 2006 or something like that, or around then, 2005, 2006. I don't know if you guys know what the NAMM show is, but NAMM show, National Association of Music Merchants, is this big get-together. Uh, that happens in LA and usually Nashville or Chicago. Yeah, it happens by Disneyland. And okay. It, it's a huge event that all musicians and composers go to as well as music manufacturers. And it's basically a place for music manufacturers to show their new gear and for musicians and composers to come and check out everything that's new, check out what's happening with software. Steinberg is there, Spitfire is there, all the piano companies are there except for Steinway, Korg, um, who I've had a long, wonderful relationship with. They've always been amazing. They're all, all there. And you walk around and, you know, Stevie Wonder is walking by. Bono yeah. is walking by. Stevie Wonder might just sit down at one of the keyboards and start playing, you know. Herbie Hancock. Oh, my word. Of a couple of, you know, the last, the last, last NAMM we show. Yeah. We had a chance to, you know, hang a little bit with him because you know, I knew him from, you know, way back and, right. and, you know, he's just playing and, you know, hanging and checking out the pianos and stuff. So it's a really cool event. And I was at the NAMM show, which I've gone to every year since I was, you know, a teenager and, and I was playing the piano and, you know, some people started gathering and Jeff, you know, noticed and we were doing a trailer and he said, you know, a lot of people were really responding to you playing the piano why don't you do a piano record? And so we just threw the mics up and I started just improvising and that was the record Common Places, which, um, which was my first piano record and it was really well received uh, by a lot of people, um, won a couple of awards and, and um, it was just one of those things, Steinway contacted me and asked me to be a Steinway artist, which of course I was, well, no, no. felt very undeserving, but very, uh, very excited because, you know, I do have a Steinway and it is yeah. a big part of my life. I just felt like, oh, there I am. I found my voice, you know, I've been playing since all these years. I love it, but the piano is my voice. I at times and when I'm very practiced up you know and I'm not right now because I've been working you know but when I'm when I'm doing four to five hours a day I feel like almost anything I can hear I can play and so it's a very free it's almost like a prayer and like a meditation yes. that's how I feel about it and I did common places and then I did some concerts and then we got super busy plus my daughter our daughter and and then I was really inspired by Frida Kahlo. Yes, I know you've I've seen that you've done that that album based on her. I mean that's that's very different, isn't it? Again. Well, we we work for we work and again, you may not know it in the UK, but there's this thing called the Festival of Arts Pageant of the Masters that happens in uh, Laguna Beach, California. It's this thing called Tableau Vivants where they literally take humans and they paint them like 
paintings and they stand there <laughs> in a backdrop in a backdrop mm. of painting and they actually look like they're in the painting and sometimes their people the humans living people are are suspended right riding a horse or doing all this stuff you can't even imagine what they do it's so cool and yeah. so weird and quirky but cool there's about 2800 people every night at this venue all summer. Okay. It's, That's it's amazing. Like, it's like, an, um, like a small Hollywood bowl. Okay, yeah, yeah. Seven nights a week, all summer. And, and they have an orchestra and they recreate great works of art. They have the orchestra play and composers write music for the story, basically, of the art that they're talking about and showing the people that are standing right. the makeup doing. So the first year that we did it, was all about muses and Frida Kahlo. They were talking about her because she was Diego Rivera. Yeah, yeah. The thing that I found that was really different about her was that unlike the other muses that kind of, they were kind of almost tragic figures, you know, that they stepped into the background. They didn't get credit for what they did. They were, you know, unrequited love. Maybe they fell in love with the sculptor and they, they were used, you know, but Frida Kahlo, she, through all the adversity and through her, you know, being in a, a very bad trolley accident and having yeah, you know, multiple yeah. surgeries and the whole thing, she was able to have her voice be heard, you know, at a time also when women weren't really heard that much. And then she's got Diego Rivera, who's also a great, you know, painter in his own right. And so to emerge from that was really inspiring to me. Just, she just inspired me. And then my dad, before he met my mom, he lived in Mexico. He's an Italian immigrant, but he lived in Mexico for much of his life before he met my mom. He was in his 60s when he met my mom. So he had a whole other, you know, life in Mexico and a real connection to that. And so I thought it would be amazing to kind of take the inspiration and kind of the wanderlust and feeling that I got from my dad living in Mexico and then the inspiration of Frida and kind of put it together in the heart of Frida, which is the album that I, the other solo piano album that I did. Yeah, it is amazing, isn't it? And you've also done projects for personal, well, personal projects. I know I've seen you done to all the little girls. I've listed that's fantastic. And the joy of the waters as well. It's quite good that you've got to do something far more than just just a piece of music about love or something. You know, something that everybody does. Oh, well, you know, it's more interesting, isn't it? And more personal. Never doubt that you were valuable and powerful and deserving of every chance and opportunity in the world to pursue. To all the little girls who are watching this And to all the little girls who are watching this Well, to all the little girls was really exciting because it was with our daughter. Yes. You know, it, it was something that just seemed to touch people. I think it was because it was just such a, so, so from the heart, from her heart, you know, she wasn't putting on any, any airs. She was just singing that. And I sometimes would look at it and think, 
if that wasn't my daughter, I'm still touched by the words and the music and the, you know, all the kids that were playing the strings, you know, that was just her classmates. We wrote a arrangement for her classmates. It was just meant to be a school project. And then her music teacher was wonderful. Was uh, Marianne Cummins, just amazing, amazingly talented woman and perceptive. And she she was so moved by the song. She goes, I'll oh, get your parents to write a string arrangement. <laughs> and record it. <laughs> and then she sent her friend over to record it, who was somebody that we knew kind of peripherally, um, Terry Sanders, who's an Oscar winning yes. filmmaker. So he came over with one camera of his assistant, and the kids were right here in that room right there. and. You know, it was just really cool, a very spontaneous uh, recording, and then we cut it with him, and we just put it on, I think, my Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, Hillary, and then YouTube. Hillary Clinton put it on YouTube, and Hillary Clinton heard it. She tweeted it. She at the time she was obviously had just was not president. Okay, yeah, so the election. Session speech was just something that, that then the New York Times called and wanted us to do it at Lincoln Center, and we yeah. were a group of girls to play, and it was amazing. That's pretty that's, crazy. It's amazing how something can stop like that. Because I suppose it'd be relevant to Hillary and the sort of, don't worry, it'll be okay kind of. I know that sounds depressing, but... It was wild because I was sitting in front of this computer right now, the one... Right. And I was just looking at the email, and all of a sudden, you know how little messages pop up in the top right-hand corner you know, of emails? All of a sudden, there was like thousands of them coming in. And and I thought, wow, it, it was all these people subscribing to a YouTube account. He thought I was getting really I thought, popular. I thought, thought <laughs> blown up. You know, some, some, and then I looked to all the little girls this whole day with the, to all the little girls. And yeah. uh, she was home from school with, with the flu, and she just started dancing all over the place. <laughs> I bet she did. <laughs> but you know, oh. you can't plan something like that. You know, I think that's the uh, that's that factor that you just never know. Just like the Bond trailer, you just do your best. You put your heart into everything. You have no idea what's going to happen. You can't plan for something to go viral or be well received. And sometimes you do something that you think, ah, oh, this is the best work, you know, and nobody ever sees it or yep. nobody cares, you know. <laughs> and, and you just think you know how could this be so I think life is just it's just a series of amazing points that connect but you can never really plan I guess you yeah. can plan to be ready and to do your best but you can't really plan for anything to happen no no hey, sirrah, sirrah. Yeah. <laughs> and I suppose that's something that social only social media is, is a force for good isn't it in in that sense that suddenly everyone picks up on something and then it's everywhere and you know they can get inspired all over the world whereas with the golden eye it was more no one knew anything until they saw it and then wow it's out there and you know <laughs> it was a mystery you know yes yeah yeah friends of ours are still finding out no, no, okay. <laughs> you know if only if only social media had been around you know and I oh gosh yeah. yeah yeah but to to a question that you asked earlier about how it kind of how we found out that it was, you know, well received was Joe Nimziki often uh, submitted stuff, you know, some of the trailers that he worked on, which he was a producer of this for awards. So this started winning yeah. every single award that he, you know, put it up for, like everyone. We were just yeah. like, what's happening? Trophies he, started arriving at the house. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> I mean, a, a good part of these, I don't know if you can see it. Oh, there we are. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
A lot of those are from Bond, too. Yeah. Oh, how good. Um, I know as well you did, Star, you did on your uh, one of your albums, you did a piano version of the Bond theme as well. I did. Which is very, it's totally different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, again, feeling very connected to that theme, feeling very grateful. And, and at the time, it wasn't that far. I think that was in 2006 when I did that. Yeah. So, right. you know, it wasn't that long after we had worked on all the other bond yeah so i still was really feeling really feeling it and wanting to you know wanting to honor it and and just do my own little version yeah of it. just to talk a bit about bond i mean what what do you think about the the goldeneye score because it's quite controversial with some bond fans it's quite sort of soviet isn't it and sparse at times and i've personally come to sort of because it's so synonymous with a film i love that kind of changes skews your perspective of it maybe but i I like it i know it's a bit out there sometimes i have a comment (laughs) about the score you know i mean eric sarah so much of his work he's done some brilliant scores hasn't he yeah professional professional yeah yeah one of my favorite scores ever that he did you know um yeah 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 I, I haven't listened to the score so much, you know, with Since a then. with an ear, okay, part, and how it works with the the picture, you know. Uh, that's the biggest part is is it telling the story? Absolutely, yeah. John Barry, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you're a, a massive fan. One one of the, I mean, he must be one of the greatest composers ever, and he he's, oh, he's from he's from just up the road in York, from where I live. And, yeah, and you know, no, I don't know whether. He wasn't ever knighted. I can't believe that in, in this country. You know, I think he got five Oscars, and he didn't even get nominated for any of his Bond work. So, I mean, his his musical legacy, Bond and his other films, is just absolutely amazing. I have kind of an esoteric question: Did he drive around really <laughs> slow? <laughs> Well, yeah, that's that's what the effects should have, shouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. His, his tempos were just you know oh, just slow and drawing yeah. out. But he was jazz, wasn't he? He started in jazz as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, amazing, yeah. amazing. Well, you're part of that legacy now, guys. The Bond music legacy. Well, I mean, it's exciting to be part of it. And yeah. When we heard from you, you know, it just made our day because, you know, just the fact that you still listen to it and, and love it and, you know, it just really means a whole lot. Oh, thank you for that. Well, it was actually, we were doing a series on the Bond songs and we thought, Rob, who I've mentioned before, he was like, Tom, can I... Uh, okay, it wasn't an actual Bond song, but please can we talk about the Parody Fair version of the Bond theme? Because I just love it so much. And we're like, yeah, oh, right, of course, yeah, let's get it on. And then we and then we just decided to talk about that for ages, and it got us nostalgic, and we were thinking of the time when Gold and I came out, and then my word. And then, you know, these days, it's so good that we can interact with with people like you and and you're so you know so good that you're so open and willing to chat with us it's it's fantastic and it makes our day and yours it's really great to see the effects that like for this piece has had on on certain people in fact before the pandemic there was a group of students here that were scoring students i think um, the graduate students from the university of indiana yeah you, yeah graduate students oh i I, I studied briefly at IUPUI, IUPUI actually. Yeah, in Indianapolis. Yeah, on my law degree. Yeah. I did a I did a semester there. But... I love the airport in Indianapolis, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually love it there. Kenny <laughs> yeah. cool Babyface Edmonds Freeway or Avenue, is it? Yeah, as well. Yeah. More music, yeah. <laughs> All the students were 
here in this room, in the control room, and they were, they were all talking about their, you know, their influences and all this stuff. And there was a guy sitting, one guy I remember sitting in a chair, and he was, he was kind of quiet. And he says, "Well, you know, the reason I'm scoring music is because of your Bond theme." Oh, and, wow! Yeah. That's so cool. And then, I forget everything. In general. Yeah. And another thing, another one, and I'm a great, great conductor, arranger, orchestrator, and really composer too, and has an amazing Bond legacy, is a good friend of ours, a composer and conductor named Nicholas Dodd. Right, yeah. Yeah, and he's conducted several of the Bond films. And he visit when he visits us, you know, he'll go, can I hear that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For inspiration. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he's he's the best of the best. He's so amazing. Yeah, yeah. great conductor, orchestrator, co- composer, everything. Yeah, and he conducted, I think, all the Bond films that David Arnold did. Oh right, okay, yeah, all of them, right. and orchestrated them. Well, this is it, isn't it? it even David Arnold's continued the legacy. And oh, yes, I, I personally would have kept him on, you know, but uh, yeah. there we go. Yeah. <laughs> we had Hans Zimmer though, didn't we, for the, the last one? Yeah, I don't know whether yeah. you heard that. I thought that yeah. was a great score too. I, yeah. I really liked it. But yeah, I, I loved what David Arnold did with Nicholas Dodd. That was epic. Yeah, only music can inspire and touch people. There's nothing else like it. And I think that it's been part of the Bond legacy since it started. And you're seeing that continue on into the future. And I always say, if, you, if, you, if you're doing a new Bond film, you've got to use your A game, use the Bond theme, get it in there. <laughs> and, yeah. and they were a bit, they've been a bit shy to use it because they were trying to create Bond, weren't they? It's like with the gun barrel. I, I would always have that, you know, because yeah. yeah. people yeah. expect it, don't they? And they, they love love it when they see it. It's like when this when the crawling scroll wasn't there for Star Wars. Yeah, time. yeah. It's like people went crazy. They're like, what? It's yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Isn't it? Yeah. I didn't notice. Was it on one of the, yeah, was it on one of the, yeah, dear me. Well, that's it, isn't it? And then, that's the start of the film, and you're already like, oh, they're just they're messing too much with it now. Oh, dear. You know? Who are your favourite Bonds, then, and Bond films? You, you've got to say Pierce, surely. I think that, <laughs> well, to me, because that was kind of my real introduction to delving into Bond, Pierce is my favourite. I think GoldenEye might be my favourite favorite bond film oh my word yeah it's i thought daniel i like real i really like daniel Craig. yeah i yeah. really do i think he's I, amazing he daniel. surprised me you know at first at first i wasn't so sure but but i think he's done a good job oh my god you know for me he is it, it was funny we were at a party one night and we i can't even remember that we met this old, much older man and he was one of the producers on the first on dr no oh wow remember and he told us about what a what a fluke it was that the bond films actually became popular i remember that, that they, yeah. they first released it as part of a double here and it was kind of the b feature and they only did it in a few theaters and next thing they knew everybody had, was having to see this movie it's amazing to think, like I say, 60 years, all based on if the first film hadn't been a success, and then even if sort of a few of them later down the road weren't. And then Goldeneye was, if Goldeneye hadn't been a success, that might have been it. That so it is, it. it's so much riding on it, wasn't there? Well, that's what, you know, what you're saying is so true. There was so much riding on that film. You know, I think we didn't really understand how much was riding on it. No. You know, I think the studio did, you yeah. know. So you wouldn't have felt the pressure as much as you might have done these days when it might you might have been more attuned to how how long it had been and it being in the press once all the time and yeah exactly you know and who knows you know maybe we wouldn't have even been asked to do it yeah yeah 
so much now where so many of the movie trailers are based on you know library music and there's so much really high quality library music that's recorded with orchestras yes you know, really, really highly produced that they might have just picked something or someone or had another artist do, you know. So we yeah. were, in a way, I feel really lucky that we were really in the right place at the right time and, and had been doing some really good work for MGM. So they trusted us. But still, it was... You made your own look, you know, and it's, it's an amazing finished product. And like you say, the, the legacy of it is all linked to the, the, the GoldenEye success and... I, th I thank you for it as a as a Bond fan, as a as a music fan as well. I really do, and um, I'm sure a lot of the listeners will will thank you too. Thank you very much, guys. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Apply. See site for details. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.